0: So you're 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 on a boat, you're seven or eight years old, and there's no known outcome. You're stranded. Like you said you were on there for like two days, three days, no water, and and no knowledge that, that you're gonna be rescued.
1: The initial response as a kid, mom and dad'll figure it out. We're gonna be fine.
0: Welcome to Building Bigfoot, the podcast about building your business profitably. If you are uh building a business, you're, you know, you're a team or solopreneur, you need to think smarter and you need to do things in a way that's going to help build your business profitably and into the future. And this is why I'm so excited to be interviewing Dan Stewart. Dan Stewart is a content marketing genius. He has the company uh, Happy Grasshopper. They, I've known about Happy Grasshopper for years. I love the name Happy Grasshopper. It just brings a smile to my face literally every time I see it. And uh, I'm going to ask you about that in a bit too how you came up with that and yeah so without further ado uh welcome ceo of happy grasshopper they're an inc 500 or yeah they've won you've won so many awards you've got uh uh, seen in 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 tons of places i know you're yeah you've kind of been everywhere and you're a speaker you're 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 really a leader in the industry and you're in many industries too and so without further ado dan
1: hi everybody (laughs)
0: <laughs> Introduce yourself. Share, share a little bit about yourself and, and maybe um, a little bit of your story, your background.
1: Yeah, happy to do it. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. So, uh, you know what? Like a lot of people who become entrepreneurs, I had a pretty turbulent childhood. Uh, my family moved constantly. I had 14 schools before I graduated. So, you know, at the time, I hated every moment of every move, I hated being the new kid dropped into a new situation. Uh, but I learned some things along the way that, that really have helped me succeed as an entrepreneur. Um, one, you know, push me out of a plane and I'm going to make new friends before I hit the ground. That's just going to happen. Uh, I love to do that. I love to engage with people. Uh, I love to continually expand my network of people that I connect with. And I think if I hadn't had that experience as a kid, I might not have learned to do that. Um it also really forced me to keep in touch. You know, think of those childhood friends. Like, you feel so bonded and connected with them, and every time you move, it's almost like a series of funerals. And I didn't like that. So uh, even as a small kid, I started focusing on really staying in touch with people. And, you know, I'm I'm really proud to say that my best friend when I was 17 years old is still my best friend. Like, we talk at least a couple of times a month to this day. So. Uh, that kind of fundamental background didn't really prepare me for any one particular career choice or industry choice, uh, but it did prepare me to have the perspective that whatever it is we want to accomplish in life, it's generally easier to do it through relationships. And uh, that's been uh, a hallmark, really, of my success in multiple industries with multiple brands. It's really been about relationships.
0: Well. Wow. So you said you moved seventeen times? No,
1: fourteen. Fourteen. Fourteen times. times. I graduated from high school.
0: Wow. Well, <laughs> that 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 yeah, that's a lot of a uh, movement. And and why was that? Was your parents? Was it for careers or was it?
1: Uh, you know, it was a combination of just their personal issues, uh, dysfunction. Uh, my father was a a war veteran, and you know that that really caused a lot of difficulty for him. So. I think whenever there was a challenge, it was, well, let's move on to another place and it'll be less challenging. You know, it was looking back, I, I have a lot of sympathy, right? Because none of us know the experiences we're going to have in life uh, and we get to choose how we react to them. And I think part of the way he was always trying to process the, the trauma uh, that he experienced was by, well, it'll be better somewhere else. So let's just go to that other place and uh, of course it wasn't right the the things we experience we take with us from place to place so it was just a kind of a repeating pattern
0: yeah that that is wild i, I wasn't going to dive into this but um you shared a story cuz you spoke at uh the street tech virtual summit and uh it was a very powerful talk and you shared the story of uh your family uh getting this opportunity to uh go on a a sailing boat only to find out that the sailing boat was essentially uh, a wreck waiting to happen. It was um, like you said, the life jackets were, were moldy. The, the, the boat itself was, was in, you know, a bit of a disrepair and it needed some work just to get it before you could take it out there. Um, It's it's amazing how vivid
1: like those memories still are. Your camera might not see this, but I literally have goosebumps right now. Uh, uh, You know, those, those moments are, interesting, right? Um, So a a little context here around this story. Uh, We all at some point have an experience that forces us to recognize our own mortality. Uh, Maybe it's that traffic accident. Maybe you I don't know, like most Canadians, I assume you had to run from a bear at one point in life. Does that happen?
0: Um, Oh, it, (laughs) it, it, it probably happens more than we like to admit. A bear, or a moose, or a
1: deer—something. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, for me, uh, it happened on that sailing trip. Uh, we didn't expect to encounter the situation we did, but when the boat started sinking, you know, we realized really quickly that it was—it it was a bad situation we just weren't prepared for. And uh, we ended up spending two days in the water uh, at. At high tide, we were barely able to touch the hull, the the roof of the sailboat. It kind of leaned over on its side. We had a little foothold there. And at low tide, we had a break. We were completely out of the water. Uh, So, yeah, it was a very trying experience. And uh, the lessons from that, um, you know, going back and thinking about my parents' expectations of that trip, Uh, My dad's new boss inherited a sailboat. It needed to be moved from Isla Mirada up the coast of Florida. What a wonderful family vacation that could be. Um, I'll volunteer, must have been what he thought. I'll impress my boss. We'll move the sailboat. It's going to be great. Uh, My father was a competent boater. He was not a competent sailor. And uh, so uh, he sailed the boat, uh, attempted to sail the boat, over john Pennycamp park which is a barrier reef down in south florida it is extremely well marked and he missed it because he's trying to figure out how to sail the boat properly uh, so a, a coral head knocked into the side of the boat or more accurately we knocked into it and i was below decks when that happened and i saw the the hull of the sailboat kind of bulge inward and then water just flooded in So it was moments just moments before the boat was completely submerged and was leaning over on its side. Uh, it, it did sink very quickly. It just didn't have very far to go, right? We were pretty shallow water, which was fortunate and we could easily see land. There was a stream of boats coming towards us uh, constantly. They just couldn't see us waving. No one was looking for us where we happened to be. Right. So, uh, This is a little different, I think, than what we planned to talk about, but there there are lessons here that can serve an audience of entrepreneurs. So expectations often don't survive an encounter with
0: reality, right? Uh, We had a plan. It's like the Mike Tyson quote. Say again? Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, from from Mike Tyson. That's right. Um,
1: So the, the other part of that was Things will happen that you cannot plan for or be prepared for, and how you react in that moment has a lot to do with uh, ultimately how you're going to survive. So, you know, I'll overlay that experience of the boat sinking with a a past business experience. Um, I once owned a geotechnical contracting company. Uh, We did sinkhole remediation work throughout the state of Florida, down into the Caribbean and to a few uh, few other Southeastern states. Uh, we had scaled to about 150 employees. Uh, we were, um, a solid, uh, eight figure business with 20% margins. It was really good. And it felt like we were, uh, kind of untouchable. And then with one stroke of the legislator's pen, the destiny of that company completely changed. Um, You know, you can do everything right, and yet things that you can't control uh, can alter your course entirely. So uh, just a little more background, there was Senate Bill 408 in the state of Florida, which uh, caused sinkhole coverage to no longer be available uh, for homes. So uh, your homeowner's insurance policy would no longer pay for that sort of uh, remediation work. And that kind of signed a, an end date uh, for that company. There were a few years of uh, claims that could still be filed, but you know it was going downhill. So we were faced with a a, a reality that we never expected to encounter, uh, very much like that that coral head that we didn't expect to run into. Um, the biggest difference was we had a much farther way to sink. But we, had a, we got to do it over a longer period of time. We had some notice that this was happening. So I thought, gosh, what do we do? And I think we really did the right thing. I'm proud of the way it was handled in the moment. Um, we uh, reduced our expenses appropriately. We made sure that as we had to lay people off, uh, we took care of them, helped them transition into what was next. Uh, we managed our cash. We paid our debts. Uh, we were able to resolve that company with minimal pain uh, for ourselves and for other people. Uh, Still a horrible experience. I would never wish that on anyone. And yet the way we reacted to it in the moment made a big difference because all those relationships that I had nurtured along the the 15-year path, uh, they became absolutely critical in allowing me to pivot to what was next, Right. So
0: yeah that uh, is that is a, a a wild story and and very similar i guess to the your sailboat experience in the sense that it you know in, in the sense of the sail, the sailboat you your lives were on the line mm-hmm. and there was no there was the thing that blows my mind with that story is how old were you again when you were on the sailboat
1: it was uh, the summer between second and third grade So yeah. So very young, seven, eight years, seven
0: or eight like that. Yeah. yep. So so you're, you're, you're on a boat, you're seven or eight years old and there's no known outcome. You're stranded. Like Mm -hmm. you said you were on there for like two days, three days, no water and and no knowledge that, that you're going to be rescued. Like that's
1: though that the initial response as a kid, mom and dad will figure it out. We're going to be fine. Like, your parents are here, they're staying calm, therefore you're calm. Um, And initially, the boat didn't completely go under the surface of the water. So, you know, it's not like we had to swim to survive in that moment. Uh, And there was plenty of boat traffic. We kept waving our arms. It just seemed reasonable that someone would stop for us eventually. Um, But as the sun started to go down and the tide started to come up, we we started to face the reality that we were going to spend the night in the water, which, you know, like reefs, the world around, that's where sharks come to feed. And we had seen plenty of sharks throughout the day. So it, as the tide came up, it, it really, the terror set in. Uh, we did not have like the, this was the dry run before the big trip. We'd, we weren't intending to spend more than an hour or two on the water we didn't have provisions. We didn't have a bunch of food or water. Um, it was the 70s, right? So my parents had some beer on board, and I did have my first <laughs> beer as part of that experience. Getting your um, calories. I mean, just hydration of any sort. Uh, we were so sunburned and so dehydrated. And um, I'd, I'll tell a little bit more of the story here. Uh, my father went into action mode and he, he started cutting ropes and he cut some sailcloth and he kind of jury rigged a little hammock uh, for us three kids. Uh, so, you know, if you picture a sailboat, it's got a keel underneath and as it sinks, the keel hits the bottom and it leans over to the side. So a little bit of the mast was out of the water and he rigged up this little hammock and loaded us three kids in there. And uh, I remember climbing in. I do not remember going to sleep that night, but I will never forget waking up because uh, my mom just had this blood curdling scream, this terror in her voice. We all woke up instantly and um, my father was holding her on his shoulders and uh, he had a boat hook in his hand and he was watching something in the water. Like, ready to push it away. And then we'd hear a little splash and see a fin. And it it was just absolute terror. I felt for sure uh, I was going to die that night. It was a moment, um, a moment we all face that I think the way we react to it has a lot to do. um, You know, like anything in life, stuff happens to us. We decide what that stuff means. And uh, to me, that experience meant I couldn't really take anything for granted. Um, you know, the shy kid who moved all the time started to make friends. Uh, that was my response. I was like, well, I want to have friends. And I mean, I don't know. Maybe I, I won't ever have a chance to do it. So it, it helped me get out of my shell as a kid, that experience. Um, so, gosh, there's so many lessons there. And as I tell the story, it, it is a little bit um, – I, I, the word trigger comes to mind. Like I can feel what it's like in that moment as I'm telling the story now. Um, you know, I think many of us like uh, to be afraid. You know, something – like startles you kind of the jump scare moment in a movie, that shock, you feel your whole body chemistry change. And then uh, you get that moment of relief. And we didn't get that moment of relief from the moment I woke up and I, I, saw what was going on till the moment we were rescued. It was just terror that, that grabbed hold of us and wouldn't let us go. It was like that electric jolt that just didn't stop. Um, so segueing back to business, uh, when they signed Senate Bill 408, that wasn't the worst thing that had happened in my life, right? It, whatever it is that I faced in business has always seemed like so much less of a challenge than surviving those moments.
0: Wow. So the,
1: the perspective, I think, like most things just aren't that bad right? But the worst day at the office is better than the best day thinking you're going to be eaten by a shark.
0: Yeah, it's it's so true. I mean, um, perspective is, is such a powerful reality check. You know, sometimes we can get caught up in, into a certain perspective because we're so close to it, but then you step back or you hear a story like yours and it helps a person step back and realize, oh, that little thing that I'm currently bothered by <laughs> is so insignificant. Yeah, compared to life perspective. Compared to yeah. perspective, really is a
1: gift, and uh, you know that experience was certainly one. Um, but you know, sometimes your own experience isn't really that motivating. It's something you've long processed, so there are times when I feel stuck, you know, why aren't we making more progress? Like, what can I do? How can I speed things up? What can I do? How do I overcome this challenge or that challenge? And, you know, I try to think about all the, the millions and millions and millions of people that would have gladly changed their situation for the, the challenges I'm facing. You know, you, you look at the war in Ukraine. Currently you look at any war in history, and, you know, countless lives getting snuffed out way before their time, famine, disease, warfare, uh, horrible atrocities, genocides, the Holocaust. Uh, and I just think, wow, how privileged am I? How lucky am I to have these problems to face instead of those problems? Um, and, that you know, that kind of gets me going, right? That's a, a global perspective I think most of us can adopt. I don't know how many Ukrainian list listeners we have at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I think perspective is a gift for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, shifting, shifting gears a little bit, um, you know, so then how, what, what was the, like the journey to go from the company that ended to happy grasshopper?
1: Well, uh, the company that ended was kind of a cash cow. And, you know, th- there may be some people listening who are at that cash cow phase. And one of the, the great gifts there is that you can choose to really explore different problems. Uh, one of the great risks is that everything looks like an opportunity that only you can solve. Right. So a lot of entrepreneurs in the cash cow phase waste a lot of capital. And uh, one of the, the projects that we had decided to work on at the geotech company was software. Uh, we needed software tools that didn't really exist. You know, going back to 2007, 2008, think of the SaaS landscape at that point in time, right? It, it wasn't nearly as robust as it is today. The app landscape barely existed. And uh, we couldn't just go and say, okay, well, we'll customize Salesforce, right? We had to build our own stuff. So uh, initially the way it started was I hired a software engineer to take one project's information, create a single point of entry for all of that project information, and then to spray that info into every conceivable construction permit application and document that we might ever need to file for it. So we eliminated double entry. We eliminated that that, uh, opportunity for error that could slow down the permit process. Uh, And once we built it, it really helped us. I was proud of it. So I showed it to other contractor buddies and they seemed to like it. And they asked if they could use it. And I was like, sure, no problem. Uh, And then I thought, well, wait a minute. (laughs) This is maybe a separate company here. This could be a product. So uh, we took that to market in 2007. And uh, I was able to exit that company in early 2010. Um, we bolted on some CRM functionality. Uh, it turned into a white label software product for franchise companies. And uh, our biggest customer didn't want us to sell to their biggest competitor. So uh, they kind of made us an offer that made sense to get out, right? so. That, you know, if you think about like just connecting the chains from whatever it is we're experiencing to whatever we choose to do next, that was the clear path. And I really like that experience of solving a problem that was real and present for us in a way that added value for other people. Now, how does this turn into Happy Grasshopper? Well, one of the experiences with that uh, white label software for franchisors they told us exactly the content they wanted in the system, and we just put that there. And then we recognized that their franchisees didn't really use it. And it wasn't the content they felt they needed. Uh, so I had all these childhood needs to keep in touch. Uh, in building that uh, geotechnical company, we'd often have a sales cycle that was more than three years uh, there was a lot of need to nurture relationships without always talking about the business aspect of the relationship. So the the first version of Happy Grasshopper wasn't really intended to be a company. It was an experiment to see, hmm, would people let us send that sort of content for them? Uh, would it even add value for them if we created keep in touch content for sales professionals that wasn't about what they were selling? Um, And I thought, hmm, I need to test that. So uh, initially, we just started uh, randomly approaching industries. Um, We set up an email server in Estonia, and we spammed the heck out of different businesses all across the U.S. and Canada. Um, Because, again, it wasn't a company. This is an experiment. I just wanted to validate really quickly. Uh, One of those early people... Uh, who got our messaging was a guy you may have heard of named Ben Kinney, of all people. And uh he signed up on our website. Uh he liked the the messaging. He liked the results he was getting when he sent it. And so next thing I know he's sharing us on uh at the time he was doing these IMSD webinars, internet marketing specialist designation. And I had never talked with him. I didn't know who he was And all of a sudden we had like 150 real estate agents sign up one day. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe real estate is the place for us to focus. Uh, So, you know, those early stages of a brand, uh, I really believe you've got to validate quickly whether or not it makes sense to spend any more time focusing on that. And those early signups showed us that, yeah, we did need to spend more time. And we also needed to narrow our focus to a single market. So uh, I had never been a realtor, right? I was never an agent and never a broker. I had purchased my own homes, but I didn't have uh, the industry knowledge. I just had the software knowledge and the business building knowledge. So early on, all we did was talk to everybody. I wanted to really understand what their needs were, what their challenges were, how else they were attempting to solve these problems where we might be able to add more value for them. And uh, over the years that's caused us to expand from just one email a month that wasn't about real estate to, you know, a full multi-channel, multi-touch, keep in touch service for recruitment, for lead conversion, and of course for past client sphere nurturing. It's been a journey. It really has been over the past 13 years.
0: No, that that's so um that's so great. And w- Where did the name Happy Grasshopper come from? (laughs)
1: So there's two stories here, the truth and the fiction. Uh, I'll tell you the fiction first, right? Uh, This was submitted by a user. We ran a a contest our first year about uh, how to explain where our name came from. And uh, I love this submission. They said, hey, Dan, anybody who's ever worked in sales knows what it feels like to be treated like an insect. Uh, You know, they just oh, you're in sales. They turn up their noses, right? Eek, a salesperson, run. Um, And yet, you know, what do you do as a sales professional? You hop in and out of these really intense relationships. You're just constantly moving on and on. Uh, And yet, if you really want to be successful in sales, you know you need to build long-term relationships. So if you're going to be an insect, you need to be a happy grasshopper and stay in touch with everyone that you meet and build real authentic relationships with them. I was like, oh, that's so much better than the truth, which (laughs) is, uh, (laughs) which is, again, I wasn't starting a company. I just wanted to run an experiment. So I called my buddy Celeste. I talked it over with her and she said, oh, I love the idea. Let's do this. Um, have you thought about what to call it? And I said, no, not yet. And she said, okay, I have a URL I've been wanting to use. It's Happy Grasshopper. What do you think? I said, sounds awesome. Let's go with that. So it was a 10-second decision.
0: <laughs> you know, I've I've found in life sometimes those 10 second decisions are the right decisions. They feel so easy, you almost like second guess it later. But the reality is, is it was so easy because it was so right. And I think the name is perfect.
1: Well, thank you. I mean, the the user description really does kind of fit. Um, I will say that it it does something that's an important technique everyone listening to this should use in their business. Uh, This is the formula for engagement. It works across all media. If you engage curiosity and leave it unresolved, people will engage with you. Right? Create curiosity, leave it unresolved. So... The first trade show we ever exhibited at, people would walk by and they'd see Happy Grasshopper on the sign and they go, what is that? Like it creates the curiosity they really wanted to know. And so, you know, I used to be a proponent of naming things exactly what they are. Um, You know, help people understand with your name what it is you do. That's that's what I used to really focus on. And now I think, you know, Happy Grasshopper may be the best name I've ever created for any of the companies I've started. Um, You know, and and today as an investor and an advisor, I think about that as well. Um, So Jonathan, we haven't had this chat, but um, I'm currently connected to six companies. Uh, Many of them are in the prop tech space. So uh, that's all up at DanStewartCompanies.com. If you're ever curious, you can just take a peek. But some of those brands you may know, uh, some of them you may have never heard of. Uh, most of them were named before I was involved, or they'd be happy something or other. Right.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. That that's um, and and that's the like the way business. I, I love it when you see that progression where it's like you start something, you have that entrepreneurial journey, but then now you get to su- support other people on their entrepreneurial journey, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's you're moving into that um, mentorship kind of role i think where where you're now getting to share a lot of the lessons that you've learned many times the hard way <laughs> and but it it really can accelerate other people i i often i have this perspective where i look around and i realize that everything you know that um because i feel life is such a blessing and and i feel like everything that i get to to participate in is really on the backs of of giants, and these are the forefathers, the people uh, or, or or foremothers. You know what I mean? People who yeah. who who've gone forward in life, and they've they've taken a risk, and they chose the the path that maybe wasn't easy, um, but it, it endured. And and as a result, there's so many things that that I you know so easy to take for granted, like little things, like the fact that that, that we have roadworks. The fact that somebody figured out the infrastructure to maintain that, the, the fact that we have, uh, you know, a bridge that was built 50, 100 years ago and it's still standing and somebody took the time to engineer the rebar well and, engineer, you know, it's just like the little we stuff. We are standing, uh, every
1: one of us, we're standing on the shoulders of countless generations that came before us. And I know for certain I would not have the life I have if it weren't for a bunch of people who connected with me and supported me along the way. In fact, um, I'm gonna recognize one of those people right now, okay? Going to the early days of that geotechnical contracting company, we rented some space in a construction yard to park our trucks. And there was a monthly bill that had to be paid on time or Kenny Faircloth who owned the lot would come and kind of rattle your cage a little bit. And uh, one month we were late, we didn't pay on time. And he came up to me, red faced, he's pumping his fist, he's really agitated. He says, Dan, you can't let your problems become my problems. And I thought, wow, I mean, that is such a little beautiful moment there, right? So I came home and I talked to my wife about it. And I can't tell you how many times as a parent, how many times as an employer, I have much more politely delivered that same lesson that he delivered to me, right? We can't let our problems become other people's problems. So these moments and, and, um, are not just hidden yeah, behind wow. like all these coaching programs. They're available for you everywhere if you're just open to them.
0: That is so profound. There's so much wisdom in that, you know, and, and vice, like it, it works both ways, right? Like it's, you you can't let someone else's problem become your problem. Yeah. And, Thank you. you know, we're, we're, we're accountable for our boundaries and we're accountable for our, like literally, and when we do this, like w- when we when we operate in that way, suddenly we're 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 like um, we're 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 creating we're freeing up the energy that we already have mm-hmm. inside of us, but we're freeing up to be used towards something that can progress us forward. And uh, I, I think it's such a profound statement. I that hit me. That was great. Um, good old Kenny Faircloth, <laughs> right?
1: And I'm quite good. certain he has no idea uh, what what impact that made. Like a lot of us have these little micro moments that unless we share them, they expire with us, right? And, you know, as as many years as I've been quoting Kenny, uh, you just, you put a twist on it that I think is, you know, I'm smacking my head going, yes, why haven't I thought of that, right? It's a perfect example of what we're talking about, how none of us really get here alone. Um, just that that brief little exchange we just had as a microcosm of why relationships matter so much in business, right? Once there's a baseline trust, an affinity, a rapport that's established, we never know how it's going to multiply and turn into to wonderful things.
0: So, thank
1: you, thank you for just plussing that, uh, like you did. I really appreciate it.
0: Well, I heard I heard something really profound recently, and it was it was basically this this. Uh, literally what you just talked about, which is on the relationship side. And he was saying, you know, sometimes we feel like the little things are insignificant, but just to see how significant they really are. um, You know, the average person knows about 1000 people, you know, Dan, you might know way more than that, but like the average person knows about a thousand people. Well, if each person knows about a thousand people, that means we're one person away from a million people. And then, that million people knows a thousand people, so we're two people away from a billion people and you think about the magnitude of that it's it's pretty profound and and we get to um you know within our personal lives we get to learn and um you know we meet we meet these crazy individuals who who impart these pieces of wisdom or we go through a crazy experience and we learn a nugget of of truth that we then get to um walk in and that the way we walk sometimes it's not even through words but that experience ripples because that next individual you encounter might pick it up and then they start to live it and then oh guess what there's another thousand people who are going to be impacted by that and you know and it's it it just shows just how profound it can be
1: we live in such an amazing time jonathan we really do um you know anyone who's uh been alive here over the past 50 years or so, has seen more change than any other generation in the history of humanity. Uh, it, it's, yeah. an, it's an amazing, awe-inspiring thing just to step back and be aware that we carry these supercomputers around with us and we can connect with anyone on the planet so easily. It's, it's an absurd advancement in such a short amount of time. And uh, if you think about how society changes in response to methods of communication, you know, go back to Gutenberg's Bible and the printing press, right? And the changes that had on society and the impacts of uh, mass media, print, radio, broadcast television, cable television, 24 hour news cycle. It's an astounding time to see how uh, behavior is changed at a societal level in response to a technological improvement. And, and yet our, uh, our wetware, right, our physical bodies, our brains uh, are not capable of advancing nearly as quickly. Uh, there's a, something called Dunbar's Law, which says most people are going to cap out at about 150 people that we can recognize instantly and really keep up with in our brains. You know, so you you take those thousand people that you just mentioned. Imagine yourself walking around your favorite grocery store with those thousand people. Okay, You go into the store and you've got some anxiety because, you know, everyone in there knows you somehow. And yet you're going to cap out at about 150 people where you could walk up and say, Dan, how are you? how's it going? It's good to see you. How's your wife? How are the kids? Like you would have that kind of context for no more than about 150 people. So when you think about, you know, all the classic database structures, like your A's and your B's and your C's, those A's are those people that you absolutely recognize and can engage with. So even if you just start with 10 people there, that's okay. You're starting there. And then, you know, as your career grows, as your business grows, you can can expand that. And then you have to make a transition because that 151st person that knows you, you're going to stand there and go, oh, God, I kind of know them, but from where, right? You'll have that moment of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's important to think about the difference between personal communication and brand communication. Um, if... I send a message as a brand, you know that that's marketing, you know that that's safe to ignore. If I send a message from me as one human to another human and we have some kind of a relationship, that message is not safe to ignore, right? So uh, think about this business owners, uh, entrepreneurs of all stripes, you know, your you're marketing, your advertising, all of these efforts that you make, The end goal is for you to have a conversation with someone that can be helped by your product or service, right? So every one of these people that you have helped has the potential to become an advocate for you, not because you're offering them some bonus or discount or payment commission for whatever referrals they send, but because of the relationship. Uh, Like Ben Kinney, who sent all those people our way. I owe the guy a car. Uh, he won't even let me buy him a cup of coffee, right? There, there doesn't need to be a monetary exchange as long as the value is real. So that's a, a pretty good segue back to business where we have to recognize that uh, to be profitable, we need to maintain those relationships with existing customers for as long as possible. And that only really happens if we nurture that relationship and continue to provide value over time.
0: Yeah. So let's, let's dive into that a little bit. So, you know, how do you, how do you use content to grow the, um, that, that database of, of relationships that you're, you're building and then how do you use content to, um, to, to really build and to, um, deepen the relationship with the people that you now, uh, are, um, you know, that they, they're in your, your, your sphere, your sphere. Yeah.
1: Well, it's two distinctly different types of messaging for sure. So, uh, we'll start at the top of funnel, right? Someone is unaware of your brand. They don't know that you exist and yet they have an interest, right? Not in your product or service, but an interest in a problem that they would like to solve, right? At that stage, they would be problem aware, um, and this by the way is is not me this is eugene schwartzman this is really well uh, defined uh stages of thinking and and how your content strategy needs to uh, be aligned to fit them so you know we're, we're both familiar with the real estate world uh so let's use a, an example here someone might wake up and say i'd like to live in Kelowna, british columbia that would be amazing And so they're curious, you know, home prices in Kelowna, British Columbia, that's the search they're performing. And that takes them to lots of places where they could look up that sort of information, right? They may have no near-term interest. They just have a little bit of curiosity. They'll click through a few links on a website. They're not really ready to go further with that conversation yet. So at that outermost layer, the content you need to provide is the sort of content that will be interesting to people who recognize they have a problem and yet they don't know how to solve the problem yet, right? They're just starting to investigate it. And uh, the smartest marketers are gonna find ways to nurture that interest over time in such a way that the person who has it decides to actually work with you. So uh, there's something I learned from uh, a shared buddy of ours, a guy named Dan Martell very su- successful Canadian entrepreneur. And uh, he has a formula he calls chocolate broccoli. And I, I love this, right? Everybody wants to eat the chocolate. And yet if uh, they're going to be healthy, they have to eat some good stuff too. So when you're creating that content for that outermost layer, you might have a an article like how to get the best possible deals on Kelowna real estate. Right? That's the chocolate. That's what everybody wants. Uh the broccoli is, of course, they need to be qualified. They need to be capable of making the move. There's all those things that they need to go through. So publicly, you're serving that thing that really attracts them. And then privately you're you're giving the effort that makes sure they'll have success in fulfilling their goal.
0: Yeah, that is that is such a memorable uh lesson, the chocolate broccoli. I think it is such a good point. And then, so now you've, you've created this attraction content and you're, you know, you're, you're, you're you're speaking to a person in a relevant way because you're talking about something that they care about, which is, this is the challenge I'm facing. And you're, you're telling me that you might have a solution to this problem. So I'm, I'm paying attention. And, um, now are you, when you're creating that kind of content, are you providing the solution or are you just, are you providing, like, how are you? How are you speaking to that person?
1: Um, are you asking about a service we might provide at Happy Grasshopper? Are you asking me how we would do that for
0: How would you do that? Yeah. So so if you if you um uh, let's say you're sharing that content um on your social media channels, maybe it's your Facebook posts, maybe um, how and you're and you're creating this sort of attraction style content. Mm-hmm. What are you um are you, are you solving the problem in that content itself or are you speaking about the problem?
1: Uh, yeah, I would say that uh, that formula I shared earlier where you create engagement by raising their curiosity and leaving it unresolved uh, is a tactic that works successfully at these stages. Uh, for example, uh, there are a lot of real estate professionals who will share every little fact about what's happening in the market just as part of their monthly routine of content they push out into the world. And uh, they're actually robbing themselves of conversations that could be really valuable to them. So, you know, if you were in my real estate world of potential prospects, Jonathan, instead of sending that full market disclosure of what's happening in Kelowna, I might send a message that says, hey, Jonathan, I'd love to connect with you this week. I have just reviewed the stats in Kelowna real estate, and I see a few things here you need to know about. Uh, when can we connect? All my best, Dan. Right. That feels much more human, uh, and then I get to actually have the conversation. And
0: with- and and it and it's it's it it feels caring. Mm-hmm. It feels like the way you communicated that you're like you are helping me, like you you really care about my my situation that you even thought about me or that you thought to think through this problem to the point that you've got some, you know, some data that you would like to share with me that's going to help me. It it feels very caring. Yeah, that was great.
1: So there, there's some art here. Because uh, if you spend so much time trying to make it feel caring for each person's specific situation, uh, you can't go fast. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: yeah. You got to leverage. You gotta scale. That felt
1: caring. And yet it didn't really include any specifics about your situation. Did it right? That was left out. Your brain is going to fill in those blanks as the, the reader of that message. Now, when you call, and we actually have to call it, which should sure be helpful if I knew the whole situation. Right. So I'll paint a hypothetical here. Um, you know, Jonathan's been my client uh, for five years He purchased a a starter home, and I know he's looking to step up uh, when this and that and the other thing happen. right? So I have some context of the relationship, and now I can relate how the market stats would impact his journey towards achieving that specific goal, right? That's a different level of conversation. Um, And, of course, uh, being able to- And
0: it shows the power of notes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely, the the power of notes and- um, You know, just ask yourself, if I had that conversation with Jonathan in the years between transactions, do you think he's much more likely to refer me to people? Oh, you've got to work with Dan. Are you kidding? He's great. He reaches out every now and then. He knows what my long-term goals are. Uh, You know, I do it in a way that makes sure you don't feel like you're being sold. Um, You know, for example, I didn't send a message that says, like, uh, did you know the highest value, uh, you can express is sending me a trusted referral. Um, like, eh, right. I'm not approaching you with my handout to, uh, have you put something in it. I'm reaching out with my handout to give you a, a lift up. It's, um, one of my core beliefs is that everybody needs help. Um, they may not need it right when you offer it, but, uh, If you had a thousand people in your database and you asked every one of those people to engage with you, uh, you probably couldn't handle all those conversations at one time anyway. So it's a good thing that they're going to decide when the time is right and actually engage with you when you send that message, right? You might get it and say, you know what, Dan, I don't have any interest in doing anything right now. So you're moving on. That's it. You don't even reply. There's still value that I sent that message. I'm now more top of mind for you than I would be if I didn't send it. It's now more likely that when someone approaches you and says, Hey, do you know an agent I should talk to? Or, Hey, I'm thinking about moving to Kelowna, you might
0: refer me. Does that make sense? I mean, there's so many layers here. That makes so much sense. So, now, uh, so there's a couple of things you said, which I, I, you know, if that's worth just repeating, you know, creating curiosity. You're 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 um, you're providing information in a way that's communicating about the problem, but you're leaving the the solution open ended, so that the person is saying, "Okay, this is worth the conversation. I, I wanna I wanna follow through with this because this is really interesting to me. I, I need to know more about this." Number two, when you are following up with that person and you're you know, it's about them and it's about um, uh, first, posturing yourself and choosing mentally to say, "Okay, how can I help this person?" And maybe they don't need help right now, but that's actually okay, because they're going to need help in the future. I'm developing this relationship so that they trust me, so that when they do need help, they know that I'm a person they can reach out to. And then uh, number three, which is how, what a great perspective is that if you have a thousand people that are in your database, imagine if a thousand people needed your help right now, it would be overwhelming. The, the, the wheels would fall off. It would be, you know, the vehicle is not designed to carry a thousand people. It would literally stop it from moving, but you could maybe fit three people in there. And so, uh, so if you have three conversations that are coming to you directly saying, Hey, this is something that I would use help with, then that's pretty powerful. That's a, that's a, um, that, you know, is a three people you can serve right now. So What content are you then providing in an ongoing or or not con? um, Yeah. What would be the framework that you use when you're creating content over um, uh, in a, in a more of a nurturing um, position? So you've done the attraction and you're like, okay, I'm creating curiosity. Now I'm, I'm, I'm building this content for um, establishing, um, you know, more, more of a relationship.
1: So context here is important. So I'll I'll paint a few different pictures. We've used the example of someone having an interest of moving to Kelowna, but maybe they live in Florida like I do, and they don't even know if they'd be allowed to live there, right? There's so many questions. So that person has some interest, but they don't really have any intent, right? There's no near-term plan to actually do this thing. So uh, the kind of content strategy that you might think you should deploy with every lead in this scenario actually wouldn't be a good thing to do at all. Um, you know, if you were that agent, Jonathan, and I came to your website and all of your content was designed to get me in your car this weekend so we could go look at real estate, you know, and and you hammered me over and over and over again with that, um, it's just not going to be helpful and I'll likely unsubscribe, right? I won't want to be receiving that content from you. Uh, So consider intent uh, conversely with someone who goes to a portal and searches for a home, right? Whether it's Zillow or Realtor.com or whatever it might be, um, they're putting in a price range, a location, they're looking at multiple properties. Um, They are more likely to have intent. And yet the data at scale uh, says that You know, last year, there were about 150 million digital leads for real estate for around 5 million transactions. Uh, Most leads register around 18 months before they're willing to speak to an agent about real estate. So um, the best content strategies we've tested are going to acknowledge that person in a way that they can engage right away if they have a near term need or interest. Uh, while also nurturing them over such a long period of time that they don't feel pressured if they haven't responded right away. Okay. So I'll be really deliberate here. I think this will be helpful for people. An acknowledgement sequence is something that sets an expectation that gets fulfilled by further automation. So if you were that lead on my website, Jonathan, you might get a text that says, Hey, Jonathan. Uh, it's Dan at Dan's Realty. Thanks for finding me online. I'm wrapping a meeting now and I'll call you in about 20 minutes. Uh, If it's urgent, please text and I'll step out. If you get that as a text message, it doesn't feel like an autoresponder from a website. It feels like a real human being's involved. And then 20 minutes later, a ringless voicemail drop arrives. Uh, Hey, it's me, Dan, over at Dan's Real Estate. Uh, Just following up with you like I said I would. Um, tell you what, check your inbox for me. I'm going to send you an email now and, uh, call me. You've got my direct line. It's blah, 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 right? Talk soon. Thanks. Bye. Right. So no pressure, just doing what I said I would do following up in a professional way. And then that email that goes out starts the beginning of a positioning sequence. So, uh, Hey, Jonathan, Dan Stewart here. Uh, I've called you and I texted earlier. I thought it'd be helpful for you to know a little bit about me. Um, you know, X and Y and Z, like I'm an experienced, I'm not experienced. I'm a native, I'm not like whatever it is about you that your past clients and sphere really value. That's what needs to be taught to this prospect. They have to see themselves going, Oh, I really want to work with that guy. Um, And your your past clients in your sphere are really the best people to indicate why they want to do that. So talk to your customers, include that in your content. And then, of course, after that positioning phase, which uh, for us, we recommend about a week of that sort of content, um, we move into the long-term nurturing phase. And in that phase, you should be sharing the things you really enjoy about your community. Uh, Humanize yourself right? Talk about the local charities you support, uh, share your favorite restaurant, um, you know, pictures of you, your team, your kids, your, your family doing things in that environment that they're considering living in helps humanize you to them. So if they are someone who's 18 months away from wanting to talk with you, they really feel like they're getting to know you, uh, before you've ever had that conversation. Um, one of the the realities about lead conversion today is, you know, eighty percent of it happens in the middle and uh, the middle of the funnel. They need that long term nurturing. So, I hope that's helpful. I could do two hours just on the the data of every little step there, and um, I tend to go on a bit when it's something I'm passionate about.
0: No, that that's very helpful. I obviously work a lot with people on the. Um... You know, because our platform helps people to generate leads, right? The, um, the the agents that we work with that really are successful are the ones that implement systems in in the nurturing side, and they see it as as building a business. So they see it as this long term solution. And and I don't know if they use the exact words that you were describing there of seeing it as a thousand people, but it's okay if not everyone needs to use my business today because that would actually overwhelm but i think they think about it in the same sort of way in the same framework and so um the key there is that as you said 80% of conversion happens in the middle of the funnel here's another interesting um stat if you look at if you are like so Um, if you, if you generate leads in one year on Facebook, on average, if you were to take those leads and pump them in an MLS and just see how many of those people actually bought or sold that year, the percentage is really staggeringly high, but guess what the average conversion rate is for a real estate agent for internet leads? 1%
1: is that right?
0: Yeah. It's like one to 3% depending on, yeah, depending on the, um, on 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 what they're running or what they're what they're marketing and they're in the market and it, it what that tells you is that there's a lot of people who would have done business with that person had they been there in that journey so um so when you when you're building out this this um this long-term content marketing solution uh when like what's the right way to check in and see if if they're ready yet, like if they're raising their hand. Because oftentimes people will say six months, but they really mean three months.
1: Yeah. So uh, we'll go back to that formula. Uh, create curiosity and leave it unresolved. Um, you know, asking a question is one of the best ways to make people curious about something. So... Um, I mean, there there are so many examples here I could run with, and I don't know if I can do a screen share and show you a bunch of different content strategies that are useful, but what we see across the members we serve is uh, a tendency, and it makes perfect sense that people would have this tendency, they're focused on those people who are ready now, right? So if that brand new lead engages with the agent quickly, that's wonderful, you know, that, that lead will get the agent's attention. They'll be well served. The agent wins, the client wins. That's great. Uh, the sad part is that so many of those leads are longer-term conversion opportunities and people just don't follow up with them, uh, partly because uh, of lead fatigue. Again, 150 million leads for 5 million transactions. It's roughly 30 leads for every closing. And if you're that lead, you're getting the same sort of follow up from most agents. Uh, The easy thing to do is put them on a safe search, right? So imagine you're a buyer today and you've got, you know, you've registered in 10 or so different places online. Uh, Some of those places have sold your information to multiple agents. Uh, You're now getting almost every single day multiple IDX search updates, new listings, price change alerts all of them trying to to divert your attention back there. So rather than thinking just, you know, how to win the client, you need to think about, well, what can I send? What can I say that competes effectively against all that safe search information? And in all of our testing, uh, the content that works is content that humanizes uh, the agent to the consumer. And uh, includes calls to conversation, right? So I'm, I'm trying to think of one of the restaurants in Kelowna I've eaten at. I, a name is escaping me right now, but give, just give me an
0: example here. I'll fill in the gap. Well, let's say uh, Cactus Club. I mean, it's, Cactus Club. It's, okay, it's beautiful. so beautiful. It's on the on the boat like harbor. Yeah,
1: I think I walked by it uh, when I was last in Kelowna uh, on the way over to I think it was Main Street. We had some stuff going on over there. Um, so cactus club, right? So let's imagine you're deep into the nurturing phase. You're a lead that's registered on, on a social media site or an IDX lead, or you're in the database of an agent who's local to Kelowna. Um, so, uh, I might send an email, uh, with a curiosity creating subject line. Um, do you like Mexican food? Question mark. Like, why is somebody asking me that? As I'm scrolling through, I'm probably going to have my curiosity engaged. I'm probably going to open that message. And uh, then, you know, if I love the Cactus Club and I've been there a lot, I might just, you know, take a a selfie of myself here at a table with the view in the background. Um, And you might get a message that says, hey, Jonathan, just wanted to reach out and share one of the places I love to visit in Kelowna. Uh, Have you eaten at the Cactus Club? Uh, I'm here to help you with uh, anything you need regarding Kelowna. Uh, When can you chat? All my best, Dan. Right? I didn't need to talk about real estate. They're getting that from everyone else. I needed to share something that is unique to me that's special about the place they're interested in. It's amazing uh, how effective that approach can be uh, to win against competition.
0: Yeah, no, that, that that makes a lot of sense. What do you think um, about tools like Homebot or uh, using your MLS to set up those property trips? Is that something that you're implementing as well, or do you, like yeah? What's your perspective on that?
1: Well, I think it's a needed part of the marketing mix for sure. And uh, Ernie Graham, founder of Homebot, is a long-term buddy of mine. I love what they've done with their product. Uh, people need that sort of information. Please do not misinterpret me. Right, it's not that you shouldn't be doing those things. It's that those things alone are not enough. Right, they're just not enough. Um, you know, all the statistics show that uh, the consumer doesn't really care what brand you're with as an agent. They care about your ability personally to serve them. Right, so focus on that personal part. Anybody can give them marks. Only you can give them you. Right, lean into.
0: Yeah, no that that makes a lot of sense. Like w- w- one of the strategies that um, I've I've observed that's worked really well for people is let's say they they you know they've they've got somebody it's a person they came through maybe they own a home and they're in a nice neighborhood or, or 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 maybe they're they're looking for a home in in a specific neighborhood and they haven't yet had a face to face meeting. But they're having a conversation because they've, they've implemented these, the, um, the types of things that you're describing. Maybe they went to one of your talks and they've, um, so they were able to get a conversation started. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I, I, I saw that's working really well is they're following oh. up. Let's say they're having a text conversation. They're following up with the text conversation after the text conversations already started with a video. And it could be that they're sitting in Cactus Club and they just record a quick video and they say, hey, I just want you to have a face to my name, you know? And then that, like, literally that short, like 10, 15 seconds. And um, the appointment booking ratio um, is almost 100%. But what's more impressive is the appointment win ratio uh, is, like, well over 90%. And it's because the person, when they show up to the house, uh, the way, the way it's been described, it's like, they already know them. It's like they've walked in and they, and it's just because ultimately the person is looking to hire, as you said, you like, like they're looking to hire, they're looking to hire a human who cares. You know, they're not interested in a brand or, or, um, they're interested in, in the, there's a
1: a couple of things here that you've said that I want to just highlight. I want to circle it. I want to absolutely make sure people see this. It should be really short. And I would recommend it's a text, right? Send an MMS text. It's a, just a video. Record yourself a little bit. Send that. Uh, that. That is much, much more effective than, say, having a produced video shoot with lighting and sound and chirons running across the bottom that feels like marketing and is safe to ignore. You being a human being, um, expressing yourself to another human being is not safe to ignore. So uh, underproduce it. Uh, don't overproduce. It. A little selfie video is fine. Um, one of the the strategies we like to help our members do: we write scripts for ringless voicemail drops, and we teach them. Heard them. You've got to make it your own, right? So. You know, maybe somebody's like writing a transcript of some tips that are given on a podcast like this one. I would say those could be improved uh, by making it your own. There, there is no one size fits all solution uh, for everyone, uh, but there is kind of a one size fits all belief, which is that who you are really matters. So just lean into that, right? Don't get too caught up in how you look on video. Don't get too caught up on is it produced enough? Uh, Just show up as a real human and real humans will appreciate that about you.
0: Yeah, so this is, so one thing that I'd say like that's sort of a, um, I don't know what the right word is, but like read between the lines, everything you're saying, it's, you're, you're sharing different ways, like different channels, different mediums of using. And you're saying it's not, the channel or the medium that's good or bad it's the way you are creating the content that's good or bad so it's yes. it's the uh, <laughs> yes
1: and with a caveat so like back to video here let's say that i did have that that quick snippet video and when people click it they're now coming to my youtube page right i might have in my head that that's great that's feeding google all sorts of great information about what people want from me and who else they might drive this way. But it's also probably taking the eyeballs off me and getting them sucked down to any other sort of video uh, that YouTube might choose to share with that person. So, you know, it's not just as simple as saying video is great, you should use it. It's understanding the context of where it really works. So, you know, back to that outermost layer where you're attracting people, it would be wonderful if you had a video presentation people could watch that doesn't feel personal because it's not at that point. It's not about you. It's about their interest. Right. But deeper in the funnel, once they've they've recognized that they have a problem, they've they've identified that you're someone who may be able to solve it, then it's really appropriate uh, to get personal so that that what i love so much about your little video example there is that it's not used everywhere all the time it's just that one little video uh, a lot of people search for real estate while they're at work right they can't they can't play the video in the office right they they can't let the people in the cubicle next to them know that they're watching a video about real estate right <laughs> so it's true, but right? Balance. Yeah. Balance is important. Not just uh, that's why we're multi-channel, multi-touch. Email, text, ringless voicemail drops, handwritten cards, gifts, social media posts. Uh, there is no just one answer here. You have to be multi-channel, multi-touch today.
0: Yes. Yeah, so, so you, so different channels for where you're where you're hosting your content and creating it, but you're you're being strategic with the journey that you're bringing that person along. So that you can ensure that, you know, if you send them a video or if you send them uh, content, that they're clicking on the link that's taking them down the journey of getting to know you and not accidentally getting sidetracked down a different journey and and then losing them along the way. And then part of that, which I was thinking about, which I thought was interesting, is that you were saying like it doesn't like you you'll coach them on scripts for voicemail drops or you'll teach them how to do um you know, the the video or the email or the um you know, you you, you provide a whole host of content marketing um, uh, solutions within Happy Grasshopper. And so you're 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 not biased to any which one it seems, but you're rather you're saying, let's use the the method in the way that makes sense for the context of that relationship. That's that's sort of like what I was We're
1: very much at. biased to what produces the results. You know, the, yes. the time we live in, it's easier than it's ever been in the history of the earth to send a message. And as a result, we all get way more messages every day than we can pay attention to. Uh, the quality of the message today makes all the difference. So, you know, let's, let's go a little further down this road, right? We, we talk about that hour layer, uh, outer layer. Let's imagine that you've produced uh a great blog post, a great video content. Uh, You've got something that is gaining traction. Lots of people are viewing this content and they're doing it in a way that you can now capture their information. Maybe it's a form on a website. Maybe you're pixeling them for retargeting. Um, Whatever that minutiae is, the point is that you've got more people consuming it than you can actually serve, right? Maybe you're getting leads... Uh, that that just aren't appropriate for you. You can't handle it. Um, so you could maybe refer those leads to someone else, but you could also really hyper specialize. So, you know, I've visited Kelowna once in my life. I won't pretend to be an expert in Kelowna, but I, I had a wonderful hike up Knox Mountain. I I saw all the sailboats in the harbor. Uh, it looks like the kind of place where there's lots of diverse interests, right? Maybe there's a great golf course. I don't know. I didn't get to see one, but there are wineries. There's all kinds of wonderful things to do in Kelowna. Well, I happen to be a sailor, right? That's something that I love to do despite my early childhood experience of sailing. Um, So I could credibly uh, talk about that. You know, the kind of sailboats that would be great to have in Kelowna, uh, how deep the lake is, what draft sailboats are appropriate. Uh, You know, there's all sorts of interesting little niche details there that there's an audience that wants information about. Uh, I live on a small horse farm just outside Tampa, Florida. Um, You know, we understand things about horses that a general person would not. So if I wanted to have an equestrian focused real estate practice, I have the background knowledge to do that. Um so you know whatever it is in your personal life wherever your interests lie it's likely that they're shared by a large enough audience of other people where you could build some affinity with them and you can stand out as being credible to them um you know for example uh, the effort that we're engaged with right now here in real time uh recording a podcast for an audience of people who own businesses and want to understand how to grow those businesses and be more profitable. Uh, Jonathan and I have experience with this sort of thing. Uh, If you're finding this content online, you have an interest in that sort of thing. The reason this, this effort exists is because both Jonathan and I would like to identify people that we may be able to serve in a higher capacity, right? It's just that simple. So where we could talk about anything and everything, we're choosing to focus on the things where we are certain we can add value uh, to people.
0: So I hope that
1: helps to bring it yeah, full circle about-
0: there. Right. It's all connected. Yeah. I, I, I love it. It's, it, it is all connected and it is all about adding value. And, and, you know, I feel like people have got gifts and skills and talents and passions and interests and they've also got dreams. And there's something beautiful when those things all collide. And the, and it, it collides in a way where it gets to serve people, it gets to serve others. Like humanity is better off when you have a person who's really great at something, they love doing it, and they're doing it for others. Like that is, I just feel like that's, that's just it's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, another question I have with Happy Grasshopper, I see you're serving 40 plus industries. Um I'm just curious cuz I mean as we talk about building business we talk about some of the challenges how did you at, at what point did you look at that and say okay I've got my 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 niche I know that I'm you know Ben Kinney I've got my agents coming in at what point did you start to expand out and um and how did that happen
1: Um the the most common way and for total clarity here from a marketing grow happy grasshopper perspective we really only focus on real estate. Um, And yet, you know, just like if you're a realtor, everyone you know has to live somewhere, right? Uh, And everyone they know has to live somewhere. Well, everyone we serve knows someone who needs a service that kind of does what we do. Uh, So we have a whole lot of people who maybe they're listening in on a, a consult and and like Lee Henry, for example, he's a great example of ours. He owns a conglomerate of companies under the Golden Shield brand. And uh, his wife is a real estate agent. Uh, So she was in the midst of a consult with us and he was hearing in the background and he just kind of walked over and asked if we could maybe help him too, right? So that's the most common way uh, that we've expanded into these other verticals and As a serial entrepreneur, um, I can say with confidence and certainty that what we do will work in any industry where relationships are important. And I don't know of an industry where relationships aren't important. So,
0: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about that key thing this morning even. Um, When I first started, um, you know, a long time ago now, you know, I, I, I think I knew relationships were important from a personal standpoint. You know, I'm, I've i always been very relational as, a, as an individual. But in business, I would look at people and say, well, it doesn't seem like relationships are always that important. Like, um, look at the rise of, um, you know, later, like Mark Zuckerberg. I don't know if it was because of relationships. Look at the rise of some of these other individuals. And uh, over the years, I've completely flipped. And this is, I think it's a maturing. And realizing, no, relationships are the most important. And if it wasn't for relationships, um, even Mark Zuckerberg, like Facebook, it wouldn't be where it is today. It would have been because of the relationships that he had around him, the individuals, whether it was the relationships with great uh, business consultants, great advisors, great um, uh, great connections with um, uh, even Napster at the time. It, it it's through relationships that uh businesses end up uh thriving and uh at the end of the day so i was just in victoria which uh you know uh, you know about and at the end of that trip i spent this week of quality time with my two girls six and four and um and then yesterday my wife she pulls up my heartstrings even more because she's like look at this video and it was a, a easter egg hunt two years ago and i'm looking at my two girls and they would have been like two and at that time and i was like wow they grew so fast it's like i don't want to miss that i i don't want to like i don't want to miss this journey that they're they're with they're having and um i know your daughter just competed in in the um the national gymnastics for the us of a which is amazing and uh and it's like you want to be there for those things because it's like like building a business is a lot of fun Serving clients with your strengths is, I think, one of the greatest things we can do as far as like purpose and alignment. But then being there for like relationships and families and, and, and the relationships that we get to build in the industry along the way, that's like, that's the, I feel like that's the meaning. That's the, I think there's a really the simple
1: question that helps us focus on that. Like, what is the purpose of prosperity? What is it for? That's a question each of us gets to answer. We'll have our own answers for that. Uh, and I think we have an alignment here. Like the, the purpose of our prosperity, uh, it's not just about the dollars, right? It's about creating those moments and those experiences that we know, uh, will cherish beyond whatever financial outcome we may have accomplished if we had dedicated the time to something other than being with our girls in Victoria or or supporting our daughter at the U S national gymnastics championship. It's like crazy, great thing to get to, to help her do. Um, so, you know, if, if, uh, the purpose of prosperity is really to live a meaningful life, um, we're the only ones who get to decide what meaningful is, you know, kudos to you if that's Ferraris and whatever else you might want. Um, Like no judgment here, sincerely. It's just let's recognize that uh, we have a drive to have, we must find a meaning in our lives. That's not something that uh, we tend to do well with if we don't pay attention to. We have to decide what this is for. And I'll say that the mission I've been on, my labor of love mission over the past 13 years at Happy Grasshopper it's all about making the world a better place by connecting people in conversation. You know, that, that agent who's thinking, oh, another lead, there's probably a bad lead. That person's just tired, right? They have lead fatigue. Um, they also have the authority to decide, oh, great, another lead. This is an opportunity for me to really help someone improve their life and, and to be curious about what sort of challenges that person might have that they can help them solve. So uh, again, we're back to perspective, right? Something happens, we decide what it is that that something means. Uh, whether it's a sailboat sinking, whether it's Senate Bill 408, uh, whether it's you know, 150 million leads for 5 million transactions. Uh, the way that we react to it, I think really determines our outcome.
0: Dan, this has been an absolute treat. I have enjoyed every second of this conversation. Um, what would you, if, if you could leave um, the audience, the listener with one thing today, what, what, would, you, what would you want to leave them with?
1: Um, four words. Now is the time. Whatever it is you're waiting for, now is the time you might not get tomorrow. <laughs> we never know. Uh, we never know when our turn will be up. So uh, if there's someone in your life that needs to know that you love them, tell them. Uh, if there's a, an ambition you have, reach for it. Do it. Go. Get it done. Now is the time. That's what I'll leave you with. And of course, if I can help any of you in any way, uh, please track me down online. I'm pretty easy to find.
0: Thank you, Dan. So grateful. This has been just an amazing experience. And that those are great, great wise words.
1: Well, thank you. It's been a privilege, Jonathan. I'm really proud to be here. Thank you. Let's go.
0: The SPROP!